As you stand, may we say a brief word of prayer. Our Lord, who sits on high and who looks low, we come this morning with great expectation that through these words, your spirit may be felt, experienced, that we, O God, by that experience might be changed. It is in the name of your son, Jesus, our savior and best friend that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I invite you this morning to reflect with me on the topic, a call to grow up. I pray that this word offers something to bless all, but it specifically targets the adults in the room. One of my favorite t-shirts lately is the one that says, I'm not adulting today. And my favorite part is the parenthetical that says, may skip tomorrow too. I'm coming up on one of those big birthdays this year that ends in a zero and realize that by age, I've been an adult for quite some time. I have the trappings of an adult, you know, career, responsibilities, which in my case include kids, human beings, though younger than me, sometimes probably exhibit more maturity than I secretly feel. Responsibilities like bills and homes and cars to pay for. And on my good days, I also have the maturity of an adult. But if I'm honest, I don't always want to take up the mantle of being an adult. I want to just do what I want to do, how I want to do it, when I want to do it, not being beholden to anyone else or some form or norm of what it means to be a mature adult. I know I'm probably the only one in the room who feels that way. Unless you think I'm creeping up on a midlife crisis, I have had these feelings off and on throughout my adulthood. Confession is good for the soul, right? This also happens in our spiritual lives. Our, our spiritual maturity ebbs and flows throughout our journey. We have good days, and oh boy, we have bad days. Thank God for grace. Thank God for forgiveness. Thank God for the new mercies offered with each new morn. In today's text in Mark, Jesus offers a word to encourage our spiritual growth and maturity. Actually, when read prayerfully, I think we can all glean that he also offers us a charge to grow up. In this fourth chapter of Mark, he compares the kingdom of God, or as the parable is said, to a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground, it's the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make their nests in its shade. The gospel of Mark is a gospel of action. It's a text about Jesus's active ministry. Mark opens his gospel moving quickly. He moves with rapid succession through Jesus's identity, through action, through miraculous healings. His gospel skips the birth story, moves quickly from John the Baptist's preaching through Jesus's baptism and the beginning of Jesus's ministry to his miraculous public ministry, where he confronts demons, heals a paralyzed man lowered on a mat, heals a leper, raises Jairus's daughter from the dead, and all along the way, 
debating and correcting the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But in the midst of all of this action, Mark interrupts this activity of Jesus's ministry to pause and to share a sample of Jesus's teachings. This is a great text for us in this moment as we prepare to re-enter our active lives. Perhaps it is good for us also to pause and to reflect on the teachings of Jesus. For if we've learned anything this past year, we don't only want to return to normal again, but perhaps we could think of a re-entry plan that helps us to do so effectively with power, intention, increased compassion and empathy so that we might impact the world in a new and a different way. In this text, Jesus teaches about the kingdom of God and issues a call for us, the followers of Christ, to grow up and to participate in the creation of the kingdom of God on earth. Jesus compares this kingdom of God to a mustard seed. What is so special about a mustard seed? The brown and white mustard seeds typically are about one-tenth of an inch in diameter, the size of the tip of a pen. From that very small mustard seedling, the plant grows rapidly. The plants reach their full height of close to six and a half feet often, and they're easy and inexpensive to grow. They flourish in many different types of soil, and compared to many other plants, they usually have few insect pests or plant diseases, and they tolerate the extremes of weather without serious harm. So the mustard seed starts small and creates something big. Its plant is tough and withstands all types of attack, challenge, and circumstances. Comparing faith to a mustard seed provides a picture of faith that has the smallest of beginnings, but it can evolve and grow like a leavening agent and become so strong that it can move mountains. So this small, feeble amount of faith, the mustard seed, when planted, can grow quickly and withstand the winds and the waves, the trials and the tribulations of life to create a kingdom on earth. A mustard seed amount of faith can change environments that may seem unchangeable, change relationships and relating in ways never seen before, and create a reality that had only been imagined in the heart of a dreamer. Do you know that you've been given a measure of faith that can move mountains? can transform lives and terrains of our nations, our communities, our workplaces, our homes. With faith the size of a mustard seed that is comparable to a kingdom, we should be able to be effective in making an impact in the very society and communities and world in which we live. We should be effective as God's hands and feet in the world. We, as the church, have a great history of impacting politics and social justice of speaking on behalf of the voiceless, of clothing the naked and feeding the hungry, but are we still effective today? Will we be as we re-enter? So how can we grow up in our faith? How can we be impactful witnesses of Christ and be a part of creating the kingdom of God on earth? You may, in the back of your minds, be asking, can the kingdom of God actually exist on earth, or is it otherworldly? ethereal, unreachable? Is God even interested 
in the goings-on in the earth realm. I have friends from many faith traditions and even those who are atheists and agnostic, and they, even those who claim to have a Christian walk say to me, I don't like going to church when people try to bring too much practicality into the sermons. I just want God to be high and lifted up. But Howard Thurman, the great Christian mystic, in his book, Deep is the Hunger, said, God is the God of history. He does not stand apart as some mighty spectator, but is in the process and the facts ever shaping them in ways that we can understand and in ways beyond our powers to grasp, to ends that fulfill a great and good destiny for humankind. As my grandmother would say, God does sit high, but God also looks low. God is high and lifted up and is yet so intimately concerned about us that God knit us together in our mother's womb. God knows the number of hairs upon your head. So to think that God is so far is not the way to realize relationship and kingdom building. Before you dismiss kingdom building as impossible, or something that only God can do, let me remind us all of the fact that we are co-journers with God. Paul says it better. He says that we are laborers and co-workers together with God. We have a role to play in building the kingdom of God on earth. In today's text, not only does Jesus invite us to consider this possibility, but he shines a spotlight on us as agents, as ushers, as participants in it being so. I hear him saying, remember when you pray, Lord, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you are also calling yourself into action. We do participate in the miraculous work of God on earth. Remember when Jesus went home and they said the prophet has no honor at home in his hometown and he couldn't perform miracles? His reason for that was because they lacked faith. Which says to us, when we partner with Christ, with God and God's great work on earth, with our faith the size of a mustard seed, we participate in the miraculous activity of God on earth. How do we build the kingdom of God on earth? Jesus uses the analogy of agriculture to describe this kingdom building. For those who have a green thumb and for those like me who try, <laughs> there, is, there are so many examples of the growth stages of plants that I, I've tried to tune into. And sometimes no matter how much you study something, it still doesn't always come to bear. <laughs> but the four main stages of plant growth typically fall under these categories. Seeding, germination, growth, and harvest. So let's take Jesus's example of agriculture and begin to think about how that applies to our walk. So a seed starts in the dirt. We know through understanding the entry of Christ into the world that Jesus enters the world in dirt. Jesus, the great Messiah, soon coming king, enters history as a baby in a manger, an outsider marginalized and one who goes through his journey iterating over and over again what it means to be a servant. So never despise the place of small beginnings. You may begin small, seem insignificant, but you are not insignificant in God's eyes. 
You see your seed, God sees your blossom. Also with seed planting is, is also the analogy of what are we planting in our soil of our hearts, our minds, our spirits? How are we continuing to plant the seeds of God's kingdom within so that perhaps it may blossom without? Not only is there a seedling stage, there's then the germination stage. And this is sometimes the hardest one because it's the breaking. It's when the seed in the darkness of the soil begins to break open so that the growth can begin. You know, not unlike the transformational beginning of a butterfly, which breaks open in a cocoon, or the Israelites in the wilderness going through a breaking, or Jesus before he begins his public ministry in the wilderness, resisting temptation after temptation after temptation, hungry, tired, exhausted. In that moment, there's a breaking forth of what God will do, can do, and the credibility setting of all that comes forth from Jesus from that point on. The breaking process is hard, it's painful, it's tough, but it's also the essential part that begins your growth. It is in that place that we've transformed and become consecrated and and sanctified, set apart, reminded that there should be something different and peculiar about us. We don't respond the way everyone else responds. We stand up when everyone else sits down. We speak when others remain silent. Then there's the growth part, the upward growth, the next level to next level part. If we're honest, too many of us have become comfortable going through the routines of a faithful life rather than living a faithful life by putting our faith into action. Some of us have stopped growing, stopped investing in our spiritual growth, but there's more. Someone say there's more. I got you to speak. When we put our faith into action, we grow step by step, climbing Jacob's ladder, faith to faith, glory to glory. We can't stay in the same place and remain stagnant and be effective for God in the kingdom building process on earth. To grow up, Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child, but when I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. Our text in Second Corinthians today, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. When we grow, we produce a harvest that looks like this. We stop asking others to tolerate our immaturity and start taking responsibility for our actions and our inactions. We stop asking others to become patient with the things about us that we should be impatient with. Our attitudes, occasional outbursts, excuses. When we grow, we stop asking for cheap grace and stretch out of our bubbles to live more broadly into all that God has created us to be. When we grow, the highs and the lows of life don't impact our relationship with God. When we grow, we maintain, maintain even as an adult, a childlike sense of wonder and awe of the goodness of God in the land of the living. When we grow, we listen to others who have a different viewpoint with the goal of growing and not correcting. When we grow, our heart breaks for the poor and the marginalized, like those murdered in Pulse, nightclub, 
When we grow, we have a sustainable rhythm to our lives that includes work and action, but also Sabbath and devotion. To get to this place of harvest, we must make sure we're in a conducive environment like a church family that sharpens iron with each other, a church family that pushes us to move and to grow, a place conducive to growth that partners with us and reminds us that we're agents and co-journers with God, a place conducive to growth that lifts up our heads, as the, the psalmist says, and keeps us expecting to see more. When we grow up, we show up. We cast a shadow, for only something of substance can cast a shadow. And it's a shadow that provides shade, not only to the birds who build their nests, but to the communities that we are part of, to our families, to those whom we are charged to love as our neighbors. And in that harvest, when we do these things, we are joining God on the building sites of kingdom building. We become part of the Lord's kingdom come and will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.